What's up, Insomniacs? Cameron here from Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. Gentle reminder, this show is available on the Bucket of Wind YouTube channel and Podbean at bucketofwind.podbean.com. Subscribe and join the Insomniac Army today. Today on the show, we go over the worst to best Guillermo del Toro films. Which ones were flops and which ones were hits? This is Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Episode of Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep, brought to you by Bucket of Wind. I'm Cameron, and with me in studio, as always, is... Mason, how's it going, everybody? And Matt, we're back again for another great show. I'm super excited today, guys, because we're going over the films of a director that I really love a lot, personally, growing up, I saw a lot of his movies, Guillermo del Toro. Fantastic director. We have the the, the joy of going through a top ten list provided by our friends at IndieWire. IndieWire. <laughs> which we have some disagreements with them at times, but I still really like going through their, their stuff. Their content is fantastic. Um, so, Always bringing us the great, great, great stories. Yes. So we're going to be going over what they think are the top ten Guillermo del Toro movies of all time. Of all time. And we're going to weigh on them. We're going to let you know what we think. And at the end, we're going to let you know what we think is the number one Guillermo movie for each of us. Each of us, yeah. We'll do a little breakdown. So I might as well just jump right in with number 10, Blade 2, starring Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson, Ron Perlman, and Leona Vela. Uh, came out in 2002. The budget of the movie was uh, $54 million, and it grossed worldwide 155 movie a lot of people don't know if there wasn't for the blade movies there'd be no marvel universe really absolutely i didn't even know that yep it was one of the first marvel characters to actually have its own movie its own kickoff and it did what sparked them to start joining all the characters and form the mcu that's crazy now, let me I didn't even you. know Blade was a Marvel character. Absolutely. I know, play I play the yeah. intro. Play the intro. It's the same Marvel intro for that one with the flipping pages as all the present-day Marvel movies. No kidding. The oh. Daywalker is in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's badass. It is. And he was actually in Spider-Man cartoons when I was a kid. That is so cool. Yep. Now, let me tell you guys a story. This is a story of an 11-year-old me sneaking around the, the DVDs. Pulling out Blade because I saw the case and I'm like, oh, I definitely should not be watching this. Yeah. I threw it in the DVD player. Blade 2 blew me away. I didn't even know this was a Game of the Toro movie until a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, this just – Wesley Snipes is the epitome of coolness. Yeah. This is pre-tax evasion, Wesley yep. Snipes. Give me so my <laughs> pot and give me the, the – or put me in jail. <laughs> no kidding. Before he wanted to fight Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it, this movie just oozed cool. The yeah. black. This is back in the like nineties, early two thousands, where black trench coats were the shit. It was two thousand and two. He, he was walking around with samurai swords, yep. slicing, and then and now that like I know it's a game of the Toro movie, the art style of the the like hybrid vampires in yes. this movie makes so much more. The infected. Sense. It was actually a very well done, a well done version of a vampire where they have these these jaws, uh, jaws. split open. And then, like the Predator, they opened yes. laterally. Yes, yes, that's very true. And knowing that this is a Guillermo del Toro movie, it also makes me see the comparisons to The Strain. Uh, absolutely. And there's so yes. many similarities with how the absolutely. vampires look. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, now I get it. Because when I first was watching The Strain, I'm like, this is like kind of a ripoff of Blade 2. Same guy. It's the same it's guy. his version of a vampire. Of a vampire, yeah, exactly. absolutely. I mean, so this I movie struck a chord with me personally when I was a kid, too. 
Like I didn't have many friends growing up because I was that weird kid who watched all of the rated R movies and made references that absolutely no one got. Made your father so proud. I would, <laughs> I would run to the top of jungle gyms. I'd climb them. I'd, I'd scale them all the way to the top and I'd scream down and all the other kids, call me Blade. I am the daywalker. <laughs> I thought I was the coolest kid ever. I, I imagined having a black trench coat on. No one would be my friend. Not a single person <laughs> called me Blade. It broke my, my little... 12 year old heart or however old I was at the time but I thought this was the coolest movie man I really I didn't like Blade 1 as much but this movie had a great feel to it wait you didn't like the blood shower orgy (laughs) I mean I just like this movie more the way it felt was great I really really enjoyed Blade 2 there might be some nostalgia yeah I was gonna say as, as someone who's ventured back to watch Blade again I can say it oozes corny now to whereas in the 90s, it was cool. It, like, if I showed this to, like, say, like, a younger kid, they'd be like, this is lame. Like, they'd yeah. probably I mean, hit me up just with that. Think Not about lame. It. I, I still like Blade. Not lame, Wesley but you know what I mean? Snipes it's... is Eric Brooks, the day walker. He's got all the strengths of a vampire, but none of their but weaknesses. But what's cool it's changes? Great. It's a great hook. I mean? It's a great hook. But the kids in, the kids in um, Saved by the Bell used to be wearing all the fashionable clothes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, Wesley Snipes... Like he was back in the time where it was like every like single dude had a katana at their apartment. Yeah, and like you know like or, or wanted a, everybody wanted a katana. Yeah, yeah and it was just and yeah. Not to mention, dare I say it, his acting was believable as yeah. the day walk. It was cool as fuck. Where yeah. he's like taking his little infusions to not have to drink yep. blood. He didn't have yeah, to drink blood exactly. at all. Yep. Yeah, it was a cool movie. It was Which really me, really well done. Makes me think maybe this should be higher, but I'm gonna withhold my judgment until yep, I hear till the next movies. one. Next one is Pacific Rim. Came out in 2013. Cost 190 million dollars. Special effects, baby. I'm telling you, but guess what? Made 411 million worldwide. Doubled its more than doubled what it cost. And in 2013, that's a good win. That's That's a good good. win for him. And to be honest with you, when I went to see this in the theater with you guys, I wasn't over the top about it. I was going to say. I was not over the top about it. I saw it, and I know you guys both saw it around the same time. We went together, all of us. We had a much different opinions walking out. I was like... Oh my God! Everything I, know, I love. You loved it. I love how you Guillermo del Toro it. plays on like the Asian aesthetic in the movie. Oh yeah. You know, of like paying homage to all the monster movies before. Sure. Because like, pretty much kaiju's are just fluorescent Godzillas. Absolutely. <laughs> Gamera. And, I mean, that's all it is. And all of the robots are basically Jet Jaguar. Yep. But with the pilots in the inside, Me- like Megacon. Yeah. I, I mean, me- I mean, me- yeah, Megacon. Cool. The special effects were fun to look at. Yep, like like you would expect with a movie of like giant robots smashing into fictional creatures. I mean, it's just really cool to watch. Yeah. You know what but I mean? they released it. It's I think the perfect time because it was released in the summer, and they, that's how they advertised it as a summer uh, cotton candy movie. Yeah. You know, where you just get yeah, these action scenes where it's just like, oh, one of them has a whip and one of them has but three this, arms. This is one thing I wanted to touch on. We said the budget's $190 million, and I was like, oh, my God, there's no way that they ever covered their own bases with a movie like this when the budget's $190 million. And then you, you threw out that number that it grossed $411 million, and just as I expected, foreign $309 <laughs> million in foreign sales. Really? It yeah. only did $100 million. Domestic. Monster movies and disaster movies See, do so well in China so and Japan. Well. But can I just so say well this, guys? Why are we jaded to say it only did $100 million? 
That's a lot of freaking money here. No, it's comparatively. Not, when comparatively, budget, on, that's a lot of money, man. That's not a lot when of the money. budget is 190. It still made over right. half its budget cost here money in the United is, States. Money aside, Mason, money aside. what did you think of Pacific I mean, Rim? Oh, what, money aside, I mean, it shouldn't be that high on the list. It was pretty – you want to talk about Blade being cotton candy? This movie is cotton candy. That's fair enough. Story, next to none. I liked – Fun to like, look at. It was quirky. It's too long. It was quirky. Way too long. Way too long. Two hours and 11 minutes of robots. Uh, what's the guy's uh, – the star's but... name? He He's the guy from Sons of Anarchy. His acting was passable. I would just say that's – it wasn't great as the main protagonist in Pacific Rim 1. And to be honest, I was pretty happy when I heard that they had gotten Finn from Star Wars to play the protagonist in the second movie. Yeah. I'm kind of happy mean, they made that switch. Charlie Hunnam. Charlie, Charlie Hunnam. Hunnam. Yep. Charlie Hunnam had just – adequate acting for me in the first one if i'm being completely honest i just loved the aesthetic i loved ron perlman's character of the collector yep collecting the kaiju parts and just remember ron perlman was in blade runner 2 i mean blade in in blade 2 and then also in this movie i mean they just can't common get enough theme. Of he's other. in a lot of his movies can't i just get get Hellboy franchise. Yeah. yeah and then you had elders alba uh, he is. You can't go wrong with yourself. Nope, European superstar in Europe. He should still be the Black Panther, but that's a that's a whole other topic. Dude, can can Idris Elba be every great character ever? Uh, I don't know. And then I I can't pronounce her name. Ruko Kurichi. I butchered that. Oh yeah, from from, a, from Japan. You know and he then, pronounces it wrong when his voice goes up at the end. Wonderska. And Charlie Day from uh from uh Sunny Days in Philadelphia. So, but okay. it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, but I mean, I, it's a pretty good cast if you think about it. You, you're covered with Europe. You're covered with the Asian market, and Charlie is—he was the sensation since Son, Sons of Anarchy. Then so, yes. and it just you it know, works. It works. It's isn't it bad? I think I might agree with Mason that although I did like this movie, you you both I remember I came love out this movie because I was like, eh, and you guys both killed me when we were walking out. I would say theater. I love this movie. You both killed, but me. there is something like I, I'm not sure if it should be this high on the list. It definitely shouldn't. It Number definitely nine. Shouldn't. It was nine, too long. Uh, entertaining. To watch. I lo- I liked it a lot now, and when watching it again, I really love the action. Be scenes. honest. Have you watched it again? No, no. wouldn't. It's okay, I haven't either. So that tells you something. Now, have you? Which movie have you watched more, Blade Two or this one? I've watched Blade Two like ten Blade times. Two. Okay. Blade well, Two. That's all shit. I'm gonna say. That's all I have to say about these two movies. But so I'm the type of guy where like I watched Blade Trinity like twelve times. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and I didn't even like that movie. Know, a lot every, of people love that freaking movie, man. I enjoyed Blade Trinity. That's just because I'm a Ryan Reynolds fanboy. So I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds and Wesley Snipes in a movie that's amazing. But people love that freaking movie. I digress. I just thought it was good, but. Pacific Rim deserves to be on the list, but Idris Elba should be Green Lantern. And moving on. <laughs> moving on. Our next movie we're going to come across is, again, another Ron Perlman movie, Hellboy 2, 2008. Budget was $85 million, grossed $160 million. Okay. Ron Perlman, Selma Blair, Doug Jones, and John Alexander, I remember four stars. I remember seeing this, and this is the thing when I was reading the Interwire article where I was like, they got this one wrong. The Hellboy 2, in my opinion, was the better of the Hellboy movies. I loved them both, but this one was better. This, I loved them both. Better. You know, they're very near and dear to me. That was like yes. one of the first comic book characters I really connected with as like a little kid. Sure. And it just bothered me that this was such a good movie. And it was a great story from beginning to end. It was an original story. Yeah. 
I'd never seen anything like it before. An eight? No, not at all. Eight? I know. Especially with some of the movies that come before it in this list. I would agree. Higher up. It's very disappointing. Yeah, I, I would, think that I that was an so. oversight. I, I love the romance between, he created between Selma world. and Ron and, you know, between Hellboy and the fire. And just off the Liz, pixie scene in the beginning uh, of the movie. It was just a great Where you movie. have these pixies jumping out trying to eat the people. Yeah. I, I didn't expect I that. I can't believe that Hellboy 1 is above Hellboy 2. I know. Both great, but Hellboy 2 considerably better in my opinion. Yes. I loved and them both. I can't believe that this story is by Guillermo del Toro. He wrote the screenplay. Just like Cameron said, he created a world. And this yeah. is a deep world with a lore behind it. I mean, you could dig and like really pick this apart. I'm not going to say it's on the tier of uh, like an atmosphere or universe created like Lord of the Rings or anything yeah, like that. No, but, but nonetheless, this is nothing to like and he paid, shake your fist at. This is great. And I think he did justice to the Dark Horse comics, you know, the Hellboy Absolutely. comics. Absolutely. Well, that'll bring us on to our next movie called Kronos. To be honest, folks, I haven't seen this movie. It's a 1993, 1994 production, $2 million budget, and it made a $621,000. Not what? a great win. And this makes no sense because I actually know one of my friends. One of my friends loves these kind of like like random movies that no one else has seen. He has seen Kronos, and he told me it was a throwaway movie. Did really? not watch it. Well, uh, Ron Perlman in again. Ron Perlman, Federico, Lupi, uh, Cordaro, uh, Brooke, and Ron Perlman. There's your three major, star- major stars. A mysterious device designed to provide the owner with external life resurfaces after 400 years. And what happens is... Anybody's guess because I didn't see the movie. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's Ron Perlman production again. It's a Gamera de Toro movie. But to be honest This is one you, of the ones where I'm questioning how Hellboy 2 is... Below it. Below it. I just don't get it, folks. Yeah. I'm sorry. It baffles me. I don't understand. You it know. seems corny as Indie fuck. Wire, that, How that- many movies have we seen where the, the story revolves around someone getting eternal life and yep. there's always strings attached and inevitably a trail of destruction ensues? You know what I mean? Yep. It just feels so played out to me. I know this thing came about in 1993, so it's one of the first of its kind as far as – Oh, well, to be honest with you, at that time, get a million dollars, but someone you love will die. The, I mean. the problem with that movie when it came out, I can tell you what was hot right then, because my all, one of my all-time favorite movies was uh, um, Little Nicky by Adam Sandler. Oh my god! I'm glad you chose him wisely. <laughs> well, there's uh, there was a lot of movies. I'm just trying to remember. It was one of my all-time favorites, and it just ran out of my head. Thank you, thank you, Cameron. <laughs> I just had to make sure you didn't remember it. I'm not going to know, so it's, it's gone. <laughs> but the problem with that movie, it came out at the same time with the premise of an immortal. You know, I can't remember the name. It had Sean. I just, I just, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone, so I'm going to move All on. All right, I'm just going to say, IndieWire, that's strike one. Don't yeah. make me bend you over my knee. Yeah, that was just not a good pick. We'll move on to number six, because I can't remember anything at right now. It is Mimic. came out in 1997. Uh, its budget was $30 million. It made only $25 million worldwide. Let me tell you about this movie. This was okay. I, honestly, this was I was 16 and I had stayed up super late. And this was one of those movies that came on sci fi, yep, way, way late All into the, the night, like around 2 a.m. And it's about these bugs, yeah, that mimic a human face, yes, and then kill people. It is one of the most preposterous movies. I didn't even know this was a Game of Thrones movie. I loved it truly because it was kind of terrifying. 
Because imagine if you were walking into someone's apartment and you were a cop investigating a crime and you saw what you thought was a human and it was an insect. And, and that's pretty much what happened. It is, much. it is one of the most Absolutely. horrifying things. And it's not just the face, I think. I think it's like the thing's back. Well, what it did is it used – it had part of its hands would surface over to look like somebody's face in dark. So if it looked like it was standing in a yeah. shadow, it had a face. And its wings went over its shoulder and draped down like what? A black coat we were just talking about. And it fucking and got me so good. you couldn't tell what it was because it always seemed to stand in the shadows. I think that was the scariest Guillermo del Toro movie. To where yeah. I was like – directed this but a concept this twisted – he wrote it as well. Yes. So, when not I, to be surprised. When I am when I am like that tired, you know what I mean? And you're just kind of in and out of it. I was paranoid as fuck. I was like, <sighs> I was looking around the corners. And if I would have seen anything remotely close to a face, would have crapped my pants on the spot. Yeah, but uh, Amira Savino, Jeremy North, uh, Charles Ed, uh, uh, S. Dutton, and James Brolin. He's he's back already. He's still in acting. I was gonna say in the new movie coming out right now, but it's a great movie. Three year, three years ago, an entomologist, Doctor Susan Tyler, genetically crafted and created insects to kill cockroaches, carrying virtual dis- a, a vir- violent. I can't even talk today. Virulent, virulent disease uh, that was infecting her <laughs> kids. So what they did is they genetically altered another bug to go out and kill all the cockroaches in the world, <laughs> and they mutated and turned into mimic. And that's what it was all about. Holy shit. How crazy. It's a great, it's a really, really great Uh, movie. This is one where I think it deserves to be up there. More people should see Mimic. If you want to have like your friends over and you want to have like a crazy night where you Halloween, have a couple of drinks. Always, I would say so. And watch this movie. I would suggest that. This is kind of a party movie. It's a good movie. It deserved to be up higher on the list. Uh, I really liked it quite a bit. Our next one on the list is number five Crimson Peak came out in 2015. Budget was $55 million, and it only made $74 million worldwide. I'm movie, scratching my head. This movie was fucking weird. It Ancestral was, hand job. I was going to say lame as fuck. <laughs> I expected so much more because by this time, I think we all knew. Like Around like 2014, we were singing in the theater, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so ready for Crimson Peak. It, yeah. Guillermo's going to have this great script. press. I remember that. Like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be scary. And then I'm watching It's this weird kind of love story where he's trying to bang his first cousin. Yep. I'm like, yeah. what? Hey, guess what? Not fucking scary at all. Hey, I was going to no. say, not scary at all. No. It was a love story. And I'm like, Guillermo, what are you doing? Because no, so. even Pan's Labyrinth, was, which was basically a kid's movie in, in ways and an adult movie in others, it was still pretty like scary at times, Big I guess. Man. Not a kid's movie. I, I was going to say no, the beer yeah. bottle scene made it not Have a kid's you seen movie. It? Yeah. Not a kid's movie not at all. Not a kid's movie. I guess, yeah, in the abort, like the. Involved creatures that ate children. Yeah, not that a is. Kid's movie, yeah. Um, but I think this regardless. one, this Crimson one should Peak. definitely not be on the top 10 for me. This is I would not even put this on the top 10. Hellboy. It could take the place of Hellboy 2 on the list. I t- no, I mean, this yeah, one yeah, yeah, this yeah, one yeah, abused yeah. me because I was Flip like, them. I wanted to see. I guess it was good, but the false advertising. I, I talked about to you guys this recently. That. If you advertise me something, I want to see that something. No, oh, they bait and switched. Yeah, us. they bait and switched me. Absolutely. You thought this was going to be scary as hell, and it was not. They advertised well, watch it the as trailer. Yeah, if these two cousins are in this house, and it is terrifying. Go watch the trailer. They they paint it like a horror picture. Yeah. It is a gothic romance at best. Yes. Exactly. 
and it's, it's actually a, piece, a really good gothic romance. Yeah, but it's a piece of shit horror film. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the stars in that are uh, Tom Hiddleston, Charlie Hoonan again, uh, Jessica Chanston, and Misa Wasowski. And that's you know just was the main Chastain the one throwing that weak ass hand job? Yeah, or was that much. Mia? Okay. Uh, I think I think it was I Jessica Chastain. Chastain. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus so. Christ, you are related. <laughs> yeah but it's uh it's it's not his best work and um he's done better before in my opinion i always thought that you know that that wasn't a great movie if and i were him, did bait and switch quite a bit i'd be very mad at the marketing firm that handled my baby you know of a film because he he writes and directs all these films man uh, and they just totally misrepresented what that movie was going to be and that's why i wouldn't put it nearly that high well, it's 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 ranked and it's supposedly uh, number five all time for him. Next on number four is The Shape of Water, out this year, twenty seventeen. The budget of the movie is nineteen point five million. Just dropped this week. It's only about a quarter of a million dollars earned. Sally Hawkins plays the janitor. Octavia Spencer plays her friend. Michael Shannon. I will find you. From, <laughs> I love Michael. I love Shannon. that. He's it's a just great. great. Mason does a line better. I will find him. That's it. And then Doug Jones, who actually placed the creature in Hellboy way back when, the creature underwater. Yes. So he's back to play Abraham. the creature. Yep, plays Abraham. Abraham, exactly. yeah. And he's back to play the creature in this movie. It's uh, based in 1960s research facility. A mute janitor forms a relationship with an aquatic creature. Man, all right. I don't have much to say about this. I, I saw, seen it. I saw trailers for this. Yeah, they're they're it's being played Guillermo's a lot of different ways. kind of a weird guy. We yep. need to acknowledge this. Crimson Peak was weird, and I think this movie is going. Yeah, is going to be weird. I was Who just was, I was just showing Cameron the the poster. She's in an embrace with, with this with creature. what looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Now I get it. People have said it's analogous to Beauty and the Beast. Yes. It's talking about like oh, it's overcoming what. The, the outside appearance to find the deeper yes. meaning. And I'm like, ah, exactly. go fuck yourself. You Disney? Then don't make it. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if that was a Disney movie, I'd be like, all right, sign me up. Sounds great. But Guillermo del Toro, I don't think those, those are his strengths, honestly. I've never found him. I've been looking for Shape of Water porn everywhere. I can't find oh, it. Boy. <laughs> oh, it's boy. Oh, like, boy. I want to see some tentacles. I'm still looking. Dude. Okay, we're anywhere. we're gonna we're gonna stay on track. So we don't really know how this picture is so far. I, I mean, it was just released, it, just released, and it, there does have Oscar buzz. But the part that kills me is you give it Oscar buzz, nobody's seen the freaking picture, and you're putting it at number four. Really? I mean, above these other proven pictures, that That's really some, bothers. Some me. of which have stood the test of time. You betcha, man. And I'm telling you right now, Mimic, I've seen over a dozen times. Hellboy 2 over a dozen times. You want to know why? It's because... Blade 2 a dozen times. The Shape Just of Water. Just watch Humanoids of the Deep instead. That <laughs> will get you what you're trying to see. I know. Honestly. I, I actually gave them that little gem before we started casting for. today. I remember... As soon as we finish recording, I'm watching Humanoids of the Deep instead of this. <laughs> Human of the, Humanoids of the Deep deserves an Oscar nom. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think this cast, this cast, Humanoids of the Deep, that should be on the list. <laughs> a different list because Guillermo de Toro had nothing to do with it. <laughs> okay. He's going to go on about this. I've, Turkle, I've, you guys took the hits. I've, 
Wow, Literally, man. you took it. I've, scar- <laughs> I've scarred Mason. I've scarred I him. will say this, though. That is Amelie. Your mind does wonder because yeah. it's in it's, – I think it was a PG-13 or R-rated. Uh, it's I didn't R-rated say. for it graphic is. nudity. Yeah, There's a so. sex scene in the, the movie. Wait, there is? Because I, I immediately yeah. turned to Mason in the theater when we saw that preview, and I was like, do you think he fucks her? Oh, <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> he must. I don't he know, must. but it's going to be interesting. You guys may say it's I'm fun. crass. I am only a man. I'm only a man. I am only, only a, man. a man with imagination. It doesn't need to go there. <laughs> you see a creature and a woman in that deep of an embrace. I'm like, you all know, thought man. about Beauty and the Beast. Come man. on. It's just, it's, it's messed up. So then we'll go on, because I think we've covered quite about enough, <laughs> to number three. The Devil's Backbone. I know nothing of this picture, guys. Uh, it came out in 2001, cost four and a half million, made six and a half. Uh, I don't know too much about it. I think it's uh, basically uh, one of his uh, Spanish titles, um, all Spanish title. Uh, it talks uh, about uh, after Carlos, a 12 and a half year old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, oh. arrives at an ominous boy's orphanage. And this. he discovers that the school is haunted and has many dark secrets. I've seen this movie. I El literally. Del Diablo. I'm going to yeah, tell you that. this right now. I d- didn't think I had seen that movie until you read the description. Yeah. And that just shows how forgettable this is. I call this what. This is the famous thing. We do We do some work with IndieWire. This is the IndieWire fucking curveball. Every list they have, they, do they have a curveball that they just throw in. Where they're just like, hey, take this fucking random shit. Look at how deep we are. Look at how much about movies we know. And they just throw out You don't this. have to do that every single time. And it's a red herring. Who, like, it's, it's, the movie is adequate at best. It's adequate at best. He's got better stuff there. He has better stuff. You're talking about Gamera Tesoro. He's been in the business for so long. Oh, yeah. Showcase some of the other things he's done. I mean, just off this list, you're pulling 1993 and up. I mean, he's been in Hollywood making good movies or great movies since then. And they pull the curveball. You're right. And they put it in there at number three. Uh, I don't know what to say. We'll just move on to number two. Uh, still one of my favorites. It is a little cartoonish at times. Hellboy uh, from 2004. $66 million budget. The Devil's Backbone's not even in English. I know. Uh, and uh, To be fair, that's not a disqualifying factor exactly. for movies. It it's is a, for me. I'm pissed. No, no you, I watch subtitles. Hidden, hidden Tiger. Uh, hidden, oh, uh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, 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 Hidden Dragon. I, I've watched play. that. I've watched lots of movies in subtitles. Yeah, I guess. The, Pan's Labyrinth was Exactly. You watched that movie. I was about to yeah, use that good. against you in about another two seconds. It yeah, we got to wait for that. Yeah, we got to wait for that, though. Um, Hellboy so, so Hellboy 2004, $66,000, $66 uh, Of course, Ron Perlman showing up in about half the movies on his list, starring as Hellboy. Doug Jones, again, as Hellboy, as, uh, as uh, Abraham, and Selma Blair back as Liz, and John Hurt as father i gotta say great movie i'm i'm so biased like you cannot trust me to give a an accurate an accurate i know you're a fanboy this movie because at the end of the day it it was a very formative movie for me it'd be hard for me to take a fine-tooth comb and tell you about all the things that are wrong like some of the tonal things some of the comedy that didn't land sure uh, which, of course, looking back, maybe. Like, but when I he goes into the graveyard actually hunting the creatures, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I think it's, it's a good movie. And cool. ancient Nazis hunting down ancient Nazis. Like, come on, bro. How cool is that? 
I remember this they, movie doesn't play like it's 14 years old, though. No. Which is, which is and that's cool. because Guillermo del Toro, with underscores all this, he's a practical effects man. Yes, this he does. Is like, why we love him. I will say that your movies hold up longer, you, you dumb dumbs. I want to tap you on the head because CGI that's is always getting better. Yes, like I, I, you know me. Avatar is one of my favorite movies. I rewatch it now. It's not as groundbreaking. No, because CGI gets better. Better every year. That's true. But practical effects will look amazing. I still watch the, the original thing yes. from 1950 because they went with practical effects, effects and it still holds up. And I will agree with up. that. There's nothing like having the thing or the image or the monster or the being. Standing there on camera, on film, and it looks like it's studio. real. Yes, it's there. I'll even take it not looking all that real, shaded, and <laughs> which I have in you know Sasquatch Mountain, you know a really bad B movie, but it's watchable and it's entertaining. Because is it even more expensive to use practical effects? It depends on how extensive. Yes, the special exactly. Some, Especially Guillermo, he goes hard in the paint with his special. He, he, with his practical. With his practical effects. Yeah, they can be quite quite expensive. I remember Mr. Wink in uh, Hellboy Two was like one like of the most kind of expensive. Sliding scale because low end special effects are very Oops. cheap, but they look like dog shit. Yes. But then high end special effects, while they still can be dated, they cost like Pacific Rim level money. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Mr. Wink. Mr. Wink was that big. He had the detachable metal fist. Yes. Guillermo talked about that. That was one of the most expensive practical effects he's ever done. Yeah. Because it was a massive bodysuit. Right. And and I just, I don't know. I just, I just think for me, if I had a choice to have it in studio or out, I would do it in studio. I was very happy with Hellboy. They, and plus it was groundbreaking in, in the field of practical effects. Uh, yeah. I'd never seen anything like that, to be honest Ron with Pullman, you. If you pitch that movie with anyone but Guillermo del Toro doing it, it turns into a trash fire so quickly. Hey, we're going to take Ron Perlman. I'm going to give him a chin prosthetic. I know. And I'm going to cover him in red paint. I know. What do you think? That's like Dan Harbour. They're doing it I all know, over again. I know uh, Guillermo del Toro is a uh, practical effects guy. And I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but what's your favorite practical effects movie off the top of your head if you guys can think of one? Because I've got one, and I think you guys might agree with me. Uh, just hit us up with I can't think For of me, it's either Predator or The Thing. Oh, Predator. Underworld. Really is Underworld is another great practical oh, effects movie. I would God. agree with that. In the original one where the guy turns into a lichen? Yeah. Turns into a lichen. The lichen are crawling on the walls, yeah. running toward her while she's waiting for the elevator. Yeah. That's one of the greatest practical effects movies of all time. But I still, my two would still be The Thing. And, and in the 1980s, 1984, thing. John Carpenter's The Thing with Kurt Russell. And then can't I can't beat those. I can't beat that movie. It's just fantastic. And then uh, again, I love Predator. And that was groundbreaking at the time because they had to reshoot scenes doubly so that they could put the shade in on him. So he kind of morphed into the jungle. Um, and that was just a great movie in my opinion. That's awesome. All right. Now we must digress and get to number one. Number one on the hit list is Pan's Labyrinth. And um, I know you guys love this movie at the time. Uh, it came out in 2006. It had a budget of $19 million, making $83 million worldwide. Great hit for him. Throw, uh, yeah, throw them a quick plot summary because I feel like uh, not sure. a lot of people have seen this. In, in, in Spain in 1944, the book, bookish young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into the eerie but captivating fantasy world uh, and what happens is as she goes into the world she has rules to follow to come back each time and it gets extremely dangerous now pain's labyrinth is one of the most interesting movies because i'm kind of like mason when you tell me they're going to be subtitles i am initially i'm like oh fuck this a million times and this again was a movie done all in spanish with subtitles but 
Pan's Labyrinth. I love this yeah. movie. Great practical effect on movie. I will say this right now. I am not mad that they put this at number one. I, do I think that it would personally be my number one pick for Game of the Toro? No, but I'm not mad at this pick at all. No. It was a masterfully done movie. Yeah. You're going to talk about one of the most brutish and most terrible characters was her stepfather. Yeah. Just brutal, <laughs> this guy. But it and was really, really well done. The, you're going to talk about practical effects. The beer yep. bottle scene, he did practical Amazing. effects for a man getting his face caved in. Yeah. I don't know really how you flattened. Do that. Yeah, it was just done was really, crazy. really well. And you turn like about- I said earlier, I didn't like films originally that had subtitles that are two hours long because that can become kind of tedious. Right. But literally after 15 minutes, I didn't even I, I didn't even notice that I was reading the movie. Exactly, mark of a really good, so really good film. It, it was really, really good, really yeah. good. Uh, and that's pretty much what I feel about the movie. I thought it was really, really good. I, here's what I would say. If you're going to knock the movie, because um, you got to kind of even it out, right? We can't just be like, oh, dude, I'm about to slob on the knob of Pan's Labyrinth. You have to kind of say um, there were some tonal issues at times. It did get like it was kind of it felt high stakes at certain times, very low stakes at certain times. I just want to address the fact that if there is a monster and he has to put his eyes into his You guys talked about hands. this before, yeah. I am in zero danger. He walks toward her. You know what I'm saying, Mason? Do you remember yeah, this I guy? Mean, I'm yeah, like, the, the hey. People knock it off and they say, oh, you know, some of the plot devices are rather cliche or the film's depressing and nihilistic, which the last one may have some merit, but <laughs> it's, and some are like, oh, it's more cruel than enjoyable and then. But it'll keep you captivated for the two right. hours. It's an escape. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, a slower that, burn that, that immerses you. You, right. you are completely wrapped up in the characters and what's going to happen. I, so I would agree. I would totally it agree. It deserves a place at the uh, higher end of the list toward number sure. one. For sure. Um, now we're going to do a little portion of what out of this list would you make your top three to four movies? Uh, and uh, we didn't really completely degree, agree with this list. I didn't. Uh, to be honest with you, on my top four, I loved Hellboy too. It was just a great movie. The Golden Warrior was fantastic. It was an entirely new universe with a great idea. Uh, it was masterfully written. Ron Perlman and everybody were, were fantastic in it. It had a great story and a happy ending. Perfect comic book movie for me. Next, But friend, what about that which is mine? Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> it was really good. And then, uh, I, and then number two for me would have been Blade Two. I love the original uh, type of vampire they had in it. I like the ability of him wanting vengeance on his creators and the involvement of Blade and the whole bringing down the house of the vampires. It the, was just fantastic. Plus the aesthetic. It was. It's just really, really, really well done. And I love what really I remember most of this movie is the vampires burst into flames yes. and would yes, disintegrate into skulls and ash and bone. And that to me was just a great effect. Number three to me is Mimic. Uh, like I said, I was just currently watching on HBO. They have the director's cut. If anybody has a chance to watch it, the director's cut of Mimic is right on there right now. And I've watched it twice again already. It's just a great movie. Uh, I, it's just a true monster movie it, there's no agenda there's nothing going on there's a creature and endangers us heroes come up and rise against it they defeat it and, and 
and there's love in the end. It's just your traditional horror movie, horror monster movie, and it was just really, really well done. And I had to put in a number four. We were going to do a three, but I did a four. Uh, I went back to Hellboy again, the original Hellboy, to top off Justice List of 10 out of these Justice 10 movies. I'm not pulling anything else, but out of this list, those were my top four. Hellboy 2, Blade Blade 2, Mimic, and then the original Hellboy. All right, I'll, I'll go with my list next. There are some repeats. I will say I'm just going to come out and say I feel it. like all of these lists are going to have repeats. <laughs> yeah. my, my three was Mimic, just because I'm, I'm very afraid of insects. So is that your number one or your number three? My three. Okay. So I'm very afraid of insects. And just the whole fact of, like, it was such an eerie watch. It is. And it's just, it's unsettling. It is. Because here's the thing. I'm fine if it's, like, a normal monster pretending to be a human. No. But the fact that it's a fucking insect, bro. It it eats flesh. Like, picture you're in the wild, and there's an insect that looks like a flower. And you go to sniff the flower, and it fucking flies up in your face. You're going to immediately cry and freak out. Now, imagine if it does it for a face in the shadows. Genius. I, I immediately love that. Even though it's not that well known. And it came out the year I was born. 1997. Yeah. Yep. Super old, but it's old. Holds but up. Two, uh, people might not agree with this. Just because I, this is going to be nostalgic. I, I do not recommend that you would go back and watch this movie a ton. But I'd have to pick Blade 2. Just because it's... The, Everything just oozed cool at the time. Yeah, he did. gets on a fucking crotch rocket <laughs> with a katana in his black trench coat. Slices vampires in half. Yes, he does. See you later, motherfucker. And like yeah. whips on his sunglasses. Yeah. This had me in my boxers and bathrobe fucking practicing karate mm-hmm. in case I got accosted by vampires. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to do it to him. I had to put it number two. Then one, you know it. I'm a Hellboy fanboy. I had to pick Hellboy 2. Although I love the original movie, two just investigated all the relationships and furthered them even yeah, more. Yeah. So you had Abraham and a tragic love story. Yeah, she did. Our you lists had... are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had Selma and uh, Ron Perlman's love, yeah. like over the movie. Hellboy and Liz. Yeah, like you, th- their relationship was furthered so much more than the original movie. Even though the original movie was a cool dynamic. Yeah. She had fire, and he was the only one who could survive the fire. Her love. Yeah. But this one, it was more about them creating a family and yep. what that would happen and what that would be like. And can he be serious since he is such a cartoony character? I I just smile the whole time I'm watching It's it. a good flick. And then the, the monsters at the end, the golden army, yep. the, for which the movie's named, is some of the coolest action scenes yep. I've seen and one of the it coolest awesome. concepts. Yep. I, I, I love Guillermo del Toro. I'm going to continue to love his movies. That's my list. And Mason. All right. We're going to go through my list now. As you may have expected, there are a bunch of repeats, but that just reinforces that you really, really have to check these movies out. If you hear about things Guillermo del Toro is doing in the future, go back to this podcast episode, watch these movies, and then watch his new film. Because you could, he pulls from things all the time, and that's not a bad thing. If it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So for number four, I'm going to have to go with Hellboy 1. Um, it creates the beloved universe, first of all. Yeah. It, it paints a, it paints broad strokes of all of these great characters that he'll be using in the next film. And I mean, it's, it's not as good as the second installment, but how often do you see that a sequel is even better than the original? I kind of like That's that. True. It sets up the stories well. You, you can't beat you can't beat that. I love the movie. As I, as we've said before, we're all biased to Hellboy because we watched it long time ago. It was very formative for Cameron and I, and I really, really enjoyed it. Number three would have to be Blade 2. Similar <laughs> reasons. 
I mean, it's just badass. Wesley Snipes mumbling, see you later, motherfucker. And like, <laughs> just whipping a katana around and then shooting vampires in the head and then walking out into the sun. And the just vampires the like, douchey, like playing like that 90s douchey rock behind, oh, like, yeah. like, let the bar, like, he's fucking, like, he's, he's just throwing vampires. Cartwheel kicking vampires. It's absurd. And, he walks and I love it. Sun, and the vampires <laughs> are like, how's he doing that? And he's like, I'm the day walker. It's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's like, more badass than a Steven Seagal movie, but less corny. <laughs> if so it's possible. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, number two, Pan's Labyrinth. May be surprised for you guys to see it on, mm. on like, this high on the list, but it is it is more of a horror movie than a lot of the things that he's done. Mm-hmm. And I just really, really enjoyed it, man. It's more of a slow burn, just under two hours. I believe it's like an hour and 58 minutes long. Yeah. So it's, it's by no means a short film, and you will feel the length at times. But you're never like, ah, oh, geez, I want this shit to end. Like a lot of two-hour movies, two-hour-plus two hour movies. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very, very immersive, especially for a movie that's not even in English, which I really enjoy. It kind of has to be for someone who's not bilingual. So I really, really enjoyed it. And it definitely stands the test of time coming out in, what, 2006, right? 2006? <laughs> yeah, 2006. 2006. Oh, yes. Shit, that was pretty good off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> to 2006. Uh, some of the characters are really, really cool. What's that guy's name? The Candyman? What the fuck's his name? Yes. It's not the Candyman. Yeah. Is it the Candyman? I think it is the Candyman. Uh, the guy, he's got no eyes and shit. He eats children. He's, he's really cool. He's one of the coolest characters. Or the Pale like, Man. Might be the Pale, Pale Man. Man. It's the Pale Man, not the Candyman. Candyman's a different horror movie. I just yeah. Oh, um, look at that off the top of my head. Yeah. Fire that back. is the Pale Man. Uh, so he's one of the coolest characters. If you if you haven't watched the movie, just Google him and search him. Demon who Pretty eats children. Scary. Yeah. He eats children. Um, so yeah, just a great movie. Definitely have to check that one out. Number one, clearly biased. Hellboy two. I mean, it might not even be biased. It's really a it's genuinely a awesome good film. It is a good movie. It really is, for all the same reasons. Uh, Hellboy one. It's more broad strokes. You get the general idea of the, like the moving parts and the characters. But Hellboy two really goes into the story of each of the characters and what it's like. Um, like what, what it's like to develop a relationship in a scenario where you have someone who's like highly sought after and is being attacked on a day-to-day basis, trying to set up a family, you know, mm-hmm. trying to establish familial ties when he's being attacked, kind of like you see in other superhero movies. Oh, he can't settle down because he's always his enemies are always trying to get at him. Yeah. And then you have the golden army, a badass concept. You know what I mean? You have an army that can like they can repair themselves Sounds- and they'll fight until the end of time. Yeah. Are you so yeah, you're so right. Fighting them, it's just it's badass. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That was so, it's so true. Like it's hard to set up a family, especially with Hellboy, who yeah. doesn't have a secret identity. He nope. is just Hellboy. He's just Hellboy. <laughs> He's just a giant red creature. So I that's so that's so true. But great layers, movies nonetheless. Layers. Great great movies. Um, so those are our top ones for today. Um, Let us know what you thought. What yeah. what would you order Guillermo del Toro's movies? Let us know if you're a massive Guillermo del Toro fan in the comment section below. Whether that be on YouTube slash Bucket of Win or bucketofwin.podbean.com. We are on both platforms for you nasty bitches. All right? <laughs> Insomniacs, we call them. <laughs> Insomniacs. We'll, we have we'll our own Insomniacs. <laughs> Insomniacs. <laughs> But if you want to uh, connect with us on social media, tell us if we were crazy for listing the movies we did. Say you're completely biased. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at CSWS Podcast. That is, again, CSWS Podcast. 
I mean, this was an interesting list. Shout out to IndieWire for putting cool topics like this they together do. They do it that you get to go over. Even if we don't agree with some of their picks, I think it's still pretty good to talk about Drive them. conversation. Exactly. It does. And talk about, like, why do you think they put that in there? Like, yeah. why was Kronos number seven? That's such an idiotic pick. Who? I don't know who does it, but they do it. I think they do it just Indie to make it. Is cultured. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we've seen everything. You don't I even know. know. I don't know who does that list. But <laughs> I do love it. I do love the conversation from them. Um, that's going to be all for Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. Today, guys, we're out. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.